0: A sex offenders registry sounds like a very good idea. In America, you can search a public website for the entire country and it will generally provide an offender's address, physical appearance and criminal history. All 50 states require individuals convicted of certain sex crimes to register. Those convicted of more violent crimes are typically required to remain registered for a longer period and to update their address more frequently. In the event of an unregistered sex offender is convicted of a new violent federal crime, up to 30 years can be added to the sentence. But an unintended consequence of the creation of such a registry resulted in the murder of two men. The victims and the murderer had absolutely no connection. The murderer was only 20 years old. This is the case of Stephen A. Marshall, and this is Murder Me on Monday.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Murder Me Monday podcast. I'm Cameron, and joined with me is Mother. Hello. So today's episode is different than it was meant to be because you got the timing wrong on one of the cases. It's not actually finished yet; he's being sentenced.
0: Well, no, the trial's actually ongoing. He hasn't been sentenced. I spent far too long trying to find out what his sentence was, and then realised I had my years wrong. The last two years of the world burning has completely meched, mucked me up.
1: I was going to say, how did you not realise that he hadn't been? Wasn't it like an end date? Or like best before time. No, of they kept
0: saying his trial September 2021. I'm thinking, yes, so where's the sentence? And, I, and oh. it is September
1: 2021.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I don't know why I kept thinking we were in 2022. I've got no idea. So when you guys actually get that one, it will really be hot off the press, as it were. There'll be a lot more current information that I'm able to pull off that should make that a corking episode, I hope. Definitely.
1: Uh, another thing is... If you've been talking mad shits on Instagram and Twitter and stuff and talking to people, we've got a lot more feedback, a lot more people talking, blah, blah, blah. Uh, someone had said that they remind them of how they would talk with their mother or whatever, or how they talk with their yeah. parents. I guess that's kind of the point and the difference in our dynamics that other ones, rather than getting drunk and then doing a true crime podcast, no harm in that. Actually, it's quite funny. It's very different to how we do it because it's, it's like a family thing. Something do. That, that, it's kind of weird because the way I'd see it is how I'm being told a... Bedtime story by my mother. It's kind of <laughs> fucked up. It's a fucked up bedtime story, and it probably explains some things. Right? And I think I think that's what the difference is. Is that, yeah. so it's like a fucked up bedtime story for people?
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Well, for me at least, yeah, yeah. It's, and again, because I'm talking to my son, I do change some of the. Uh, we we don't. If you if you're sat in a car listening to this and wondering, we have to mark these. Up as graphic We do We have to Or else it just Wouldn't end up Being produced But we don't Tend to go You mean that
1: in a sense Of a an actual Content creation side Things have to be yes. marked Under like certain ages And not, uh, not demographics, it's not that specific, but it's a, is this graphic in nature, blah, 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 because that means it gets um, put through differently on various platforms. Yeah. If, and, if, I, I, if, I, and if something's like, if I like, go like on YouTube, if something's age restricted, it doesn't get suggested in other videos, blah, blah, blah. But that, that doesn't mean you water down your content or change it. It's just, it makes it different in how it gets set out there.
0: Yeah, but I do water it down a little bit with because i'm talking to you about it some of the 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 really graphic It's, it's when it's a
1: messed up sex thing basically is there's not gonna get spoken about as much but that, that always seems to happen though. that seems to happen regardless and that person <laughs> that said it's like it's like talking with their mother what the fuck do you talk to your mother about because ours is, this is for a reason right this is a podcast for people to listen to but what are you doing to do that do you know what i mean so uh, do you want to get into today's case then
0: right Event which, which which
1: almost wasn't today's case.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was it was a very late night doing this one. Um, we're back in Maine. Where this oh, for,
1: for fuck's sake, this is at the third one, isn't it? In Maine.
0: Second, second, I think.
1: Isn't this the third one? Because we did one that was in Maine when we got back, and then someone said about the Stephen King thing, did, and then there was another oh, one. Oh, yes. And then I think this is it. I think this is the third.
0: Oh, at least. Yeah. Well, well, we're not picking on America. Well, I've got I've got to say that. And if you're listening to this, if you're Down under, which I know we've got listeners down there, thank you very much, and you're pacing the floor at 2am with your child, your turn will come. This one I fell over by accident and it it was just odd enough that made me go digging into it. And as you know by now, do try and go for the cases that are a little bit strange or have got things that make you go, hmm. And I shouldn't have said that, but you know where I'm coming from. Pretty sure
1: that's trademarked. Yeah, probably,
0: Um. yeah. Let's start off with the registries, which was the opening. We in the UK have similar registries. You would have to go to the police and tell them why you want to know if someone's on there. And they won't tell you, in the UK at least, about any possible sexual offences. That's only for law enforcement. But they will tell you about any div- um, domestic violence. So Claire's Law, um, it's often known officially as the Domestic Violence Disclosure Scheme. And it's got several ways for police officers to disclose someone's history of abusive behaviour to someone who may be at risk.
1: Uh, real quickly, though, there's not a public offenders list thing, register, but there is a list. I guess, I'm, I don't know. I think because there's a thing. Cause I just searched sex offenders near me and it brings up a list. It, it, is, it is a thing.
0: It could well be that things that have been reported in the press, which you are l- legally allowed to know about, has been collated. But the the true one, I mean, as you and I both know, I mean, an official documented yes.
1: list that carries some form of weight rather than just speculation online or reporting, etc. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's different. It's, yeah. The, but there is one, I guess.
0: Yeah. So this Claire's Law, um, as I said, it was it was actually named for a lady called Claire Wood. She was murdered in England um, by a far, former partner and the police knew this guy was actually dangerous and they, they didn't tell her. And there's two main elements. The right to ask, which allows you know you and I, including a domestic partner, to request information from the police about a potential abuser. So if you were dating somebody that I thought might be a bit dangerous for you, oh,
1: this is directed at me. Okay.
0: No, I'm just saying. Or you could equally
1: you're you're pointing at me if 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 I'm dating a sex offender, right?
0: Or someone who's dangerous. If you it's literally you think they're off their heads, they're going to do something. You could equally go down and say to the police. My mum is getting involved with some person. X was
1: person, I think they're kind of funky. Yeah,
0: yeah. and they, they will tell you. But the second part of this, which is the right to know, for argument's sake, some people in communities have unusually close relationships with the police, shall we say. And also they may have personal connections to the police. If the police find out that you or I are involved with somebody that they know is dangerous, they can come and tell us themselves. They can knock on your door and say, do you realise XYZ person?
1: On the face of it, that seems like a good thing because it's preventative for people that don't know to be then told that, but I also feel like it could be exploited as a form of harassment because that way, if if any police member of the police has a vendetta on someone... Anywhere they go, they could be like, Oh, did you know this? They go into Tesco's, they could go up to people in Tesco's. But the way you're serving, say, and where is the line crossed for that?
0: Professional standards. And it, yes, what you've just said. I know you're saying that
1: about professional standards, but then again, as we know, the police investigate themselves and then find out they've done nothing wrong. So that doesn't work, does it? I know you're saying it's it's meant to work, but it doesn't.
0: Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. You are correct. We will go into that in the autopsy. But what you're saying theoretically is true, but they are not allowed to literally go up to the cashier in the local supermarket and say you've just served that person did you know they have to they will have to record why they've alerted somebody there will should be a trace and if they're okay Okay. yeah and if that person say that person is completely and utterly innocent they then launch a complaint and it will actually get taken seriously. There will be repercussions and police officers do get dismissed for doing these things. Sometimes the problem is the entire police force within, say, Leicestershire or Nottinghamshire. But there are certain police forces that are renowned for not dealing with these things. And it is known and there are changes afoot. But it's a it's a long, pro- it's public sector. It's a long process, all of it. Again, the the police have something called the Violent and Sex Offender Registry. It's called VISA. And it's a database of records of those required to register with the police under the Sexual Offences Act 2003. Those are people at there jail for more than 12 months for violent offences and those, those thought to be at risk of offending.
1: What's defined as a violent offence? Obviously, hitting someone is a violent offence. That's not what I mean. It's Is it something like if you get into an argument with someone... None. In in public, could that be deemed if you're like, threatening? It, 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 do you know what I mean? How they could be some sort of it's like if you it's not the same thing, but if you um try to rob a post office, mm-hmm. even if you don't have a a real gun you or something or a real crime, it's it's much worse than just trying to rob a uh, like a co op because it's it's the post office. It's like a government building.
0: It would probably require somebody with legal qualifications to give you this, but my interpretation of it from what I have read. Would be it wouldn't be you going into a post office because it's it's no longer actually a public entity. Post offices aren't they're, they're it's a private organisation now. But it would actually be you'd have to do it two or three times. You I would think have I to like a government
1: service or government building because yeah, I think it is defined as that.
0: You would you would need you would need a, a, a to be involved with people who were violent. You know, like a gang type person. And again, if somebody ended up on this risk list, they are told that they are on this. And if they object to it, there are processes for them to go to where they can actually appeal the fact that they're on this, this list. But again, the public has got no access to this. You can't, you know, plug in Visor and then hope that you'll find out about M2 Doors Down kind of thing. As mentioned in the intro, the American registries are very different. And these, they, they're ones that are state by state. And there are two others that claim they are national but there are at least two government or federally government-run ones that cover the whole of the USA, but the public only has access to one of those. So you've got the National Sex Sex Offender Registry, and it's a database database available only to law enforcement, so very similar to ours. It's maintained by the FBI's Criminal Justice Information Services Division. That was a mouthful and a half. The main one the public has access to also has links whereby some of the tribes, the native tribes, have entered into agreements with various states or legal entities and posted their own registered sex offender data on their, of their own official sites. It's, it's a really, really sad read when you go through it. I'll put all the links in the show notes as always, but that astonished me. And as I said before, when you take into account how large a country America is, it's probably no worse than any other per head of population. It, it looks horrific when you see it as a non-resident. But when you think how big America is, it's not surprising. So there'd been many acts of legislation passed to get this thing up and running, all the way back to 1994 in the US. And the primary driver in there, we have Claire's Law for the domestic violence one, but this sexual registry, it's Megan's Law. And prior to that, there was a federal act, 1994, somebody called Jacob Wetterling. I'm sure Americans know that. And that required each state to create a registry for sex offenders and certain other offences against children. So, again, it's the same as the UK and the police can access it and that, but the public can't. But things change. When this young girl, she was only seven, Megan Kanker in New, New Jersey... She was um, picked up by a sex offender with two previous convictions of sex crimes against small children living across the street. And this is how we ended up with this registry after they played about with passing various statutes. And with everything, it gets refined. New legislation is created usually after some horrific crime takes place and they realise there's a gap in the legislation that they currently have. It's also rather unfortunate that this... Well, this registry is tucked away under an extension on the FBI site and it starts with the words scams and safety. Someone didn't think that one through. Why wouldn't it have
1: its own category? Exactly. I, I, I said safety, but why is it under scams? Because you, you could you could say there's those the two set you could have scams and safety. Then you could have like sexual offence and safety, yeah. two different things. Because you want to protect the old ladies that for some reason answer the phone and get scammed online, right? That's scam and safety, right?
0: Well, I I I was researching this in broad daylight, no alcohol involved, and I'm like. Have I ended up on something really dodgy or weird? And I looked at all the various, you know, routes within the address- <laughs> You're
1: like, I'm gonna get put on this list. What am I googling?
0: <laughs> no, no, it's it's literally the address actually is, and this is why he, he's buried. www.fbi.gov backslash scams dash and dash safety backslash sex dash offender dash registry.
1: Why is it so hard to find it? It's, it's, it's like if you ever try to unsubscribe from something or you try to ring someone on an actual website and you go to contact us and it's like contact us on a Monday. You click it and it goes, is it a waxing moon? To actually find the right number to ring someone is really convoluted. Why is that so hard to get, get hold uh, of?
0: Uh, again, that's, that's why I went in and out of it. And I thought, am I in the wrong, wrong place? I'm in the right place. It doesn't turn up on the top search list when you actually go in and put sex offender registry.
1: It might be because it's so bad people don't use it or because it's had such poor traffic because it's so hard to find. But
0: it's enormous. And it, and I, well, I didn't go major digging into it because I'd have still been searching, yeah. you know, knows so about I've, got,
1: I've got a question regarding this because of, based on what you said on the intro and because I don't know what's happening with the case, but is this along the lines of a, vinc- a vigilante justice or is that something you're going to get into? I'll get into it. Okay. And briefly as well, you, said, you mentioned the size of the US and how their ratios of like sex offenders and blah, blah, blah. There will be some countries that have much higher than the other ones. Yes. And in just, in, uh, I think there's some, and I have gotta be like tactful with this. There are some areas of Africa that use sexual assault as a sort of like a tribe war thing. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds quite weird. Well, that sounds like really strange for me to say, but they do. So that goes, that's incredibly high. Just pumped up there. But talk about the size of the US. There's something called the Mercator projection, and if people, people are listening, I'd say just Google it really quick. It's um, Mercator projection, and it puts it into reference of how big continents are versus how they appear on a map because on a map it's a it's a 2d because like when you look at a map when it gets wrapped around a sphere things get distorted don't they yes that's why when you look at the map they've got those lines and they sort of widen out yes and at the top they look smaller so if you look at the US it's, it looks about like it's about 40 percent smaller Russia is about a tenth of the size it's tiny by comparison uh, Australia basically doesn't change South Africa doesn't change and South America doesn't change so when you actually look at the size of the US it could fit into Africa probably about five times because you've got I know this sounds weird like a weird tangent but you were talking about the the size of it, and it's not as big as people think.
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's perception, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but well, anyway, I yeah. carry
1: on with that. There was just a random thing that was in my head that I needed to say.
0: Right, so back to our case. The difference is the victims may have had criminal records as sex offenders, but the perpetrator targeted them specifically because they were on the register and he had no connection to them in any way, shape or form. And whilst he wasn't a kid... He wasn't yet old enough to legally drink.
1: A kid is a really subjective phrase, isn't it? Some Some 18-year-olds aren't kids anymore because of their life and have had yes. to grow up real quick. Yeah. Uh, some 13-year-olds aren't, unfortunately, because they've had difficult lives. They've had to, they ain't kids anymore. They can't yeah. say that. Uh, but a 20-year-old, that can still easily be a kid. I'm 25. I still think I'm a kid. Got peop- I know people my age are having kids, having their second kid. I think, fuck me, I can't look after myself. No, it's, a 20-year-old is still a kid.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I think that the, the, mentally for me was the difference knowing that the age of being allowed to legally go and buy alcohol in the UK is 18. That's a whole other story and there's all the problems with that. But in the US it's 21. And the fact is he's not legally able to go and buy a drink, but he can... He, he, you can he,
1: join the army, you can buy guns. I think yeah. you can join the army in the States before you can buy Call of Duty, because Call of Duty is an 18, technically, to buy it, to buy it in a shop. Or in a store. You have to be is, 18. Is, but you, is, you can join the army under 18. We can sign up at least. Th- th- this so it's again, weird. It's, there's yeah. weird stuff like that. So but yeah, I, I think 20 year old's a child. And I think he's also close enough to the point where he himself could be a victim because he might look childlike. I don't know what he looks like. Often, if if, if if you have men in prison and if they're quite small and effeminate, they can often be a target as a result yep. and they can look younger. I think at the age of 20, that could be a sensitive topic. It's along the lines of the other case that we did with the maroon car, that, that Thane Ormsby guy. It's because he was young and he had that thing with drug dealers because of his upbringing and stuff, wasn't it? That he that he, sort of, he might have been primed to kill people based on that or be aggressive towards his people as a result. They can see it as a angel almost, that they, they, they will kill people to stop other kids or other people becoming victims like they were. Yeah. And then so it's along the lines of the alcoholic parent thing. Do you become one? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so some people that have been victims of abuse, they go up to do it themselves. Yes. And that's often the case. And it's I'm just thinking that is I don't know. And you'll get into it yourself. I'm sort of spoiling it. I don't know. Was he one, et cetera, going forward? I've interrupted again. Sorry, it's a theme. Carry on.
0: <laughs> that, now you've said that with the Thane Ormsby, I can actually see the parallels between this case and that one. I can actually see the parallels, but I don't have answers for your questions. As
1: well, the reason why we're doing this one is because he basically has the same name as the last case we did. It's like Stephen A. Marshall. Yeah. Versus was it just Stephen Marshall? Marshall.
0: Yeah. Which was the jigsaw killer.
1: Yeah. So th- and that's how you found this case. If, yes. you're, if People are wondering. I know they're called the same thing, but they're not the same. They'll be called something different in the title. You're listening. You know this.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that one out before we do it in the title. So let's go back to the beginning to see if we can actually get a feel for this guy. 9th of August, 1985, Stephen A. Marshall is born in Fort Worth, Texas, to Margaret and Ralph. So, 1988, family moves to a place called Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, Canada for those that don't know, which is two and a half thousand miles away from Fort Worth in Texas. And it's actually an island. This place is gorgeous from the pictures. They even speak Scottish Gaelic as well as some French dialect called Arcadian, which boggled me. And there is an even uh, an indigenous language that I won't even attempt to mangle. The whole population of this Cape Breton Island is roughly 132,000. So from it's actually quite big,
1: considering the way the way you describe this, it, a tiny island. It's actually quite big, 132,000. That's a decent size. That's yeah. going to have a lot of stuff on the island that is yeah. you're not left out. Yeah, if you have if you're a tiny village. You, have, you don't have anything. You can't just stay in the village. You have to go everywhere else. But of an island like that, you're going to probably have McDonald's, gyms, large stores, Target's, Walmart's, whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, for, as a Brit, when I heard that they'd moved to Nova Scotia, I immediately think, oh, blimey, cabin out in the woods, you know. So it may become relevant further on, again, to be discussed but it does seem to be a quite a religious place with the number of Catholics to Protestants. Double, double the number of Catholics to Protestants.
1: Probably means double the amount of paedophiles, carry on.
0: But it's a fair smattering of other religions too. So, summer 1993, Stephen ends up having, get it, well, getting, his mother did it, the work, but he has a baby sister, so he'll be eight or nine years old at this point. And lo and behold, he's shipped off to Arizona to live with his grandparents. Going into autumn 1993. Why was he shipped off? It's, there's no, I think personally, from, from reading all that I've read, I think the parents' relationship was starting to break down. And I think mum had a new baby, couldn't cope with him because it's a it's a weird dynamic at eight or nine years old when you've got a little boy and then you suddenly end up with a baby sister. And he's, he's the, you know, so it might have been, go and stay with your parents for the summer and I'll come down and, and join you later with your sister. And it's either a really good thing or it's a really bad
1: thing. Yeah, okay. If it's framed fairly innocently like that, like we'll be moving, you go there beforehand, that works.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know how... For, for
1: some reason, I had um Kemper vibes, based on the way that you yeah. said that. that yeah, you said that Because they said that... Sorry, Ed Kemper's mother treated him badly because she thought that he would abuse them, or the sister and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it was that at all, but the way that, the way you'd framed that there, I thought that's what it was. It was for the daughter. But, there's some
0: really odd... Odd undercurrents through this. This is again. This is what this is what drew me to it. And yeah, Ed Kemp's mother was abusive. There's no two ways about it. But there's no indication that um Stephen's mum was abusive anyway. Again, I th- I think there was something wrong in the household. I think the like, the parents' relationship was starting to break down, and that's why she went. So three years later, though, that's when they actually got divorced in nineteen ninety seven. So a year after that, he's removed. Stephen is removed from school by his mother due to bullying. Now, so he's aged roughly about 12 at this point.
1: He'd just moved there though, hadn't he? Yeah,
0: he'd only been and there.
1: Then, and then you get bullied because you're the new kid?
0: Well, no, he, he, he'd been there since 93 and it's 97. So he'd been there four years.
1: But you're still the new kid, aren't you? If, it if could have pe- been. If people had been there for the whole time, you're the new easy target. You don't have friend groups, blah, blah, blah.
0: Could have been. Could have been. That,
1: that's the kind of thing that happens. Yeah. So
0: 1999, two years on. So he's 14 roughly. Dad is in Idaho a place called cul-de-sac and it's actually one word and that made me laugh after you with the earlier episodes with you know anyway so stephen goes to live with his dad and a, his dad is the mayor of the town and he becomes he's mayor there for three years so i don't know how big of a thing it is in the u.s over here it's it's a it's a ceremonial nobody really takes any notice of it except for well, the people in the public sector think it's some special. I think I, was
1: a, I think I was friends with someone whose, well, adopted parent was the mayor of our town we used to live in. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, again, it's a nothing to most people. Yeah, it's, is it's, it? it's
1: not like a large title in the UK at least. But I, I so, so they had a difficult time. I had his parents split up at this point? Yeah, they've divorced. Yeah. So they're divorced, and he's living with his dad.
0: Yeah, in Idaho.
1: In in Idaho, and so his, we, and, we, his, and his dad is, but sounds a bit fairly successful if he can be the mayor because you're probably competing against quite a few people at this point. So I assume there's a stable financial situation, potentially, yeah, or better than others. Yeah, So you'd imagine a slightly more positive upbringing, not saying money makes you happy. But uh, money isn't everything, but not having it is everything. Do you know what I mean? So 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 he's got a stable base so far. Not, Not a stable base, but based on his current position. He's moved there with his dad. He's 14, and his dad's the mayor. So you could probably...
0: Yeah, but going back to how possibly this eventually evolved... You've got him born in Fort Worth. He moves to Nova Scotia, gets sent to Arizona. Now he's, and then his mum pulls him out of school and then he goes to live in Idaho. So he's at his fourth place at the age of 14. So, How many
1: times have I moved to school?
0: I know, I know, but... It's
1: three you, times you, you, in one year, by the way, at one point.
0: Yeah, but you didn't go on to kill people. But So 14 years old, Stephen, 2000, yeah. He sets up his own website, so he's not daft, yeah? And he links it with, um, it's, the, the wording on it was, the sweetest pictures of weapons that you can find anywhere. And he listed personal delight dislikes, including minorities getting special treatment.
1: Oh, okay. Oh. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. a good turn I didn't expect. I don't yep. know why.
0: Men who don't keep their women in line. Asthma. With...
1: <laughs> yeah, fuck you guys who can't breathe. And black people, apparently, yep. I guess. just Sure.
0: Women in general the beautiful people, my job, whatever that is, cleaning, school, society, the disgusting commercialisation of our daily lives, um, uh, the ec- economic system, capitalism, in brackets, but that'll do for now, rich people, the United Nations, a world government, the feds, the man and his rules, Civil oppression and the Patriot Act of two thousand and one.
1: Some of these seem almost contradictory, don't they? Yeah, to a degree. He he's like loves it, hates it, but it's the same thing.
0: But I'm hearing a very typical angry fourteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, but it's
1: it's very weird conservative views, isn't it? Yeah. He hates he hates women, minorities, people that don't get people in line. But I love my guns, my weapons. I think. Yeehaw, brother.
0: Uh, it, uh, again, I'll, I'll go into it later on, but I think this is the point. At, at twelve years old, twelve thirteen, he falls out with his mother, and this is why he goes and lives with his dad. And as far as I'm aware, he doesn't he doesn't speak to his mother for four years. Literally, has no contact with her. So, reading there that he hates women, he hates men who don't keep their women in it line. Sounds like
1: he's going to be a school shooter. Actually,
0: I'm very surprised he didn't turn into one.
1: I'm expecting pumped up kicks to suddenly uh, come uh, on. Well, you, and you
0: you might yeah get, yeah. 2001 a year on he's he's in school in Idaho okay um and he does have friends he's he's got friends i don't know if they were uh... he hates
1: the wealthy his dad's a fucking mayor it's mm. not exactly he's he's coming from the lowest impoverished drug-addled communities and he hates the rich cuz they're exploited but he he's kind of at least middle class by the sounds of it
0: well he he says again in the, in in his in his manifesto almost that he hated um, school, society, and his job. What fourteen-year-old job? I don't know. Maybe his dad made him rake the leaves up on a Saturday morning to earn his, you know, pocket money or his allowance or something. But I said, two thousand and one, he he uh, he's at school. He's got friends. They had a a group of them or a clique. They actually gave themselves a name, which is rather unusual, I think. They called themselves the Slackers Coalition in Arms. And they actually had, again, a manifesto for it. And the main goal is to provide advice for protecting yourself from the tyrannical education institution. So he hates school and authority, isn't he? But but what kid doesn't? That's, you know, 14-year-old kids. When
1: you're a kid, you have no control over anything in your life at that point. By setting this up, you want to overthrow that, don't you? Yeah. You want to overthrow the means that are stopping you from having control.
0: And I so. don't, yeah, I don't think he's any different to any other 14-year-old, you know. No, I'm... he
1: is. He's fucking weird. He's set, up, he's set up a thingy and he doesn't, he made a manifesto. He's got like a weird bulky backpack. You don't trust this kid. Well, he's, this... he's very different.
0: Well, this is where things maybe This is the next stage is where things start to coalesce. Why things are not right with this guy. His friend and a classmate, and again, I think he was part of this clique of theirs, is actually charged with molesting a minor. Now, this kid actually got, he's, he's sentenced to receive counselling and he's put on probation. So there was no major, what, what, what the molestation of a minor? I know you shouldn't, but there are a sliding scale of seriousness. So what it was, it must have been, I would have hoped, really minor. And that's why that. But would Stephen have viewed this as his friend getting away with something? That was my thought with that one, okay? So go on a bit further. September. Th- I'd be
1: surprised if he didn't have a bias because it's his friend. So he would allow his friend to get away with something.
0: You'd have, I'd have thought that, but then when I hear things further on, which we'll get into a bit further, it makes me think, hmm. So anyway, 24th of April, 2001, Stephen is charged by police With felony aggravated assault. And what that actually was, there were two kids apparently out on the the street and they started arguing. Kids do. And it ended up, they ended up scuffling on the lawn of Stephen's house, you know, where he lived with his father. He goes out to break up the scuffle, but not the way most people would do. Stephen, he goes out to, because they're, they're, they're brawling on his lawn. On his lawn, okay. Yeah. He's, as I said, well, you haven't seen the pictures and you will get to see the pictures, He's not a big lad. He's he's not imposing in any way, shape or form. He goes and picks up an AR-15 assault rifle and goes out yep. to break up the scuffle. Come on,
1: brother. Of course he does. Why doesn't he pick up a gun? Yeah. I mean, come on. You just would, wouldn't you, right? Two people having a fight. Get a gun.
0: I I, <laughs> yeah. I think that was because he knew he probably physically couldn't do it. So what speaks more about macho? I go out with a gun. So... That happened in the April and in the July, Stephen ends up in court and he's placed on probation for six months and he's ordered to attend a hunter's safety course.
1: So he didn't shoot anyone? No. Okay. He just threatened them. Silver lining, didn't shoot anyone, could be worse.
0: But it's an AR-15 assault rifle. No, I know. Yeah. So again, say so he's ordered to attend a hunter's safety course and he's has to write an apology letter and he has to actually do a, a five-page paper on teen violence and give it to the court that he's, you know, actually done the research into this and hand this in. What
1: I'm not sure if it's changed. I heard it on a podcast recently. I could be wrong, but isn't it because of the constitution, owning guns is a, an air quite God-given right. So I don't think you even need to do any form of like safety course. I know some, I think some states have a calling off period. Again, I'm misinformed on this. I don't know. I'm probably, I might be annoying some people because I don't know enough.
0: I think, again, he was, he was told to do this hunter safety course and I think it's a lot of things because you have to get a hunter's licence.
1: Yeah, no, to hunt because you specifically need to get tags when you kill, when you kill yeah, stuff. So, they- but there's a difference between that and then owning a gun because you can yeah. own a gun and you can, you can just shoot the gun. But I think there might have been one back in the day that you had to do something and then that changed. Again- I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I vaguely remember something in a po- another podcast I was listening to that mentioned it. Why isn't that a thing that you have to do these courses anyway to own a gun? If you have to do it to get a car, you should have to do it to get a gun.
0: I don't disagree with car- you. So
1: there's a the son I watch who calls refers to guns as murder dildos because they have no other purpose apart from killing something, right? Same with the dildo. It's, it's not. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's only got one job and that's to fuck something. Whereas cars, like cars, cars have more than one more than one job, right? It's a car. It's transport. Blah blah blah.
0: Excuse me it, while I die.
1: If you have to get, if you have to go through all this stuff to get a car, why do you have to do the same thing to get a gun? I don't.
0: I don't disagree with you. I it it obviously didn't actually do any good, but. So that was the July. In the August, the twice, two dates in August, there was a mental health evaluation done on Stephen as part of the probation. And quoting from it, it said, it found Mr. Marshall's responses do suggest that he often somewhat questioning of authority and distrusting of the motivation of others. He is likely to be quite introspective and calculating in his actions. Again, go back to his website, go back to his manifesto. He's He hasn't changed. He's still the same person. The report concluded that no significant psychopathology is present that would have any impact on Mr. Marshall's ability to comply with the conditions of his informal adjustment or contribute to the likelihood of his com- commitment of future crimes. So, in English... So they
1: don't think he's fucky and probably won't kill someone in the future. Yes.
0: Okay. That's the assessment.
1: Well, that's a bit of foreshadowing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, June 2002, a year later, still in this place in Idaho called Cul-de-Sac, there's a city maintenance supervisor. He's the father of Stephen's friend, remember from school, who got into trouble for child molestation. This father of this other kid is arrested for sexually abusing two minors. Again, This guy gets a slap, really. It's just a slap on the wrist, and I'm thinking he's thinking like father, like son. You know what's? I don't know. So that's June 2002. So the end of the summer, beginning of the autumn. Stephen moves to Phoenix. So he's gone from Idaho down to Phoenix. With, and he with lives, who? You
1: haven't. Was that what you were saying? Sorry. He,
0: he li- he's going to live with his half-sister and her family. Now, half-sister... in that- So, I'll get into it further on.
1: Is this the same sister that, that he moved away from?
0: No, that was his full sister. His, his mum his mum and dad, they had him and then they, they had a little girl.
1: They sent him down to Arizona and then eventually yeah. he moved to Idaho.
0: What actually happens is his dad, and this is really weird, turns out his dad had been married twice. He had a first wife.
1: Oh, before him, and then yeah. he moved... But it okay. goes back to her. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't think that's too crazy.
0: So, again, this is where Stephen he's he he moves to Arizona. His his dad is living with his stepmom, who's actually his dad's first wife. Who this is, I think, where this half sister comes from. And he ends he ends up attending senior year at this Desert Vista High School in Arizona. Um. Skip forward to the spring-summer 2003. Stephen goes to visit his mother for the first time since leaving Nova Scotia for four years earlier. Stephen also goes and visits his father, who's now living with his stepmom in Colorado. Not a good relationship with mum and dad and he's back with his first wife and he's bouncing around all over the country again. September 2003. Stephen decides to move back to Nova Scotia to live with his mother. And apparently his mum's remarried, and he's got stepdad by this point as well. And he attends a computer course at this Memorial High School, which uh, which is in Cape is on Cape Breton Island, as I've said before. So that was September, December two thousand and three. Apparently, Stephen had applied to join the Canadian military, and they reject him because of his asthma. So remember him hating that in his ramblings. It must have been actually quite bad.
1: Some reason I didn't think that he, because he has asthma he hates it. I thought he just hated the asthmatic for some reason. I didn't think it was because he had asthma. I did not I don't. I don't know. I, I didn't draw that conclusion. Carry on.
0: <laughs> All right. So that was in December. So skip forward to August. We're eight months on. This is two thousand and four. Stephen goes to see a psychiatrist for d- twice the depression, but he doesn't. He doesn't carry it, keep on with it, and he cancels the next meetings.
1: Um Do you know if this is paid for by something or not? Because Especially in America, this is that'll be very expensive.
0: He's he's in Cape Breton, it's got Nova Scotia, Canada. Canada, Canada, different different medical system. So, skip forward again. This is August. Go forward to January, February, the next year, two thousand and five. Stephen moves out of his mum's and he moves into um like a shared house basically in in Nova Scotia. So he's nineteen at this point. Go on to April. A convicted paedophile moves in to this shared house where Stephen actually lives and Stephen apparently you know gets all great with him they actually become quite friendly so he's I don't know whether he told him about his conviction or whatever it's it was an odd
1: but I don't think that's something you say when you move into the house with someone you probably want to get on of you want to get yeah. on a good ground first before you tell people you're convicted of something really bad
0: it was. It was just. It was just odd the way that this was presented in in the you know the reporting and the storylines about why is that relevant? And I'm I'm not sure it is. But then on the other hand, it may be. This is this is in spring 2005, and in the autumn 2005, Ralph Dad goes and visits Stephen in this place. It's called Sydney in Nova Scotia. So January. Friends and family, uh, 2006, so his dad sees him in the autumn, skip forward to the January. Family and friends say that Stephen isn't himself. He seems to be very depressed. And then he actually faints when he's at work. So, you know, maybe he had something biologically wrong, we don't know. But Stephen's still talking to his mother, even though he doesn't live with her anymore, and they decide to meet up with a pastor. And not a pastor, pastor. And s-
1: I didn't say it. I thought that. I yeah, didn't, I saw I didn't the look on your face.
0: Yeah. And this this is word for word what it actually said in the reporting. Stephen accepts Christ into his life. And he started attending church regularly. regularly. That's word for word what the report says. I don't know what type of church it was. Don't know. So in the April 2006... Stephen withdraws 500 Canadian dollars from his bank account and he leaves 61 cents in the account, which is the balance. And you'd normally only do that for one of two reasons. One, you can't get it out of a cash point machine, or you want to keep the account open because you know you're going to be putting money back into it. That was the 11th of April. On the 12th of April, he decides to go to Maine to visit his father, who's now living there again. No mention of the wife. Then it said on the reports, Stephen uses Interact for a purchase at a place called The Source for $1,076. And I'm what the heck's Interact? Apparently, this is some sort of Canadian banking system. I didn't know how it worked. Apparently, his mother sees that, so she assumed it was for the purchase of a laptop, and he also purchased um, GPS mapping software but he only has 61 cents in his bank, so I'm thinking he's used his mother's bank account for that one. Where would he have got a thousand?
1: At this point, well, over a thousand dollars, but you don't know if he's had other forms of cash this whole time. He said he's worked. Is it in cash in hand? What is it?
0: Well, yeah. Or, it...
1: or other stuff. He might have... That's yeah. just not the only time he's probably withdrawn money, or if he's planned this for a period of time, he'd probably take it out in stages, wouldn't
0: you? Well, yeah, again. But no, apparently he... His mother saw the transaction, so my interpretation of it was she'd logged into this banking system and seen this transaction. So I, this is why I think he's had access to his mother's. So we don't know when he did this, but Stephen downloaded this sex offenders registry. Well, he, he accessed the sex offenders registry.
1: Ah, so that's why he bought all the GPS stuff, is so he can actually find these people. That, that makes more sense.
0: This particular town that he targeted... There was 34 of them on the list for that town. But he only took information on 29 of them. Addresses, photographs, the lot. The state of Maine itself has an online registry of over 2,200 offenders. And that includes their names, photographs and addresses. And the site actually gets more than 200,000 hits a month from people looking people up on this just for the state of Maine. That's a lot. That's a lot. And you... You'd, you don't go browsing these things. For unless... fun? No, no, you wouldn't. So... Well, it,
1: it might it might just be people doing that like I did when I just searched sex offenders near me. People might be doing something similar in Maine.
0: Yeah, but 200,000 a month. Oh, I, I, people being weird, nasty, scared. That's a horrible number. More importantly, we don't know why he picked those 29 people. I bet the police know, but they're not telling. We don't know what their kind of offences were and whether he had a specific number, a specific type he was looking for. We don't know that. So April the 13th, 2006, Stephen's father had been expecting him to visit. Stephen has to ring him as his car had broken down and he takes him to his his house in this place called Halton in Maine. This is the Thursday. And this is over 600 miles away from where he was actually living in Nova Scotia. April the 15th, Stephen is supposed to be in Nova Scotia and he worked at a restaurant as a dishwasher. And he missed work and he'd never called in. So he's got no intentions of going back at this point. April the 15th, 16th. So it's midnight-ish on the Saturday, the 15th or, you know, early early minutes on the Sunday. Stephen leaves this house in Halton in his father's pickup truck. And he takes three guns and his laptop computer. GPS, as you said.
1: Are they his guns or his dad's guns? His dad's. Okay.
0: Right. Aruga handgun. A Colt 45 semi-automatic handgun I don't know if that's the same thing, and a two, two, three colt sporter semi-automatic rifle
1: so you, you know what a semi-automatic is don't you? But the difference between that and a an automatic gun? I know that sounds might sound really stupid, so with an automatic gun when you pull the trigger, it will keep firing until the mag's empty, or you let go of the yeah the trigger. semi-automatic is you, you, you pull it, it will fire, and then you have to release it and then fire again. That's different like a bolt action where you'd have to fire and then like re-rack the bullet. It's Completely different, so so when you say like a semi automatic handgun, that is basically most handguns, right? So it would have a clip at the bottom rather than something like a revolver, which is still yeah. semi automatic, but that's usually fed by a barrel, or the chamber yeah. thingy. So, yeah, like, it was like a semi automatic handgun that's basically a pistol, is what he's got at that point.
0: So if you are with us on this episode 31 and you've listened to some of the earlier ones, Cameron has gone into great detail. I,
1: heard... I, I don't. It, it's great detail for someone that doesn't know anything, Well, I know fuck all about guns. I just know enough about guns from playing certain video games that are like quite specific with guns. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that this So when I'm you're still... saying he's got semi-automatic handguns yeah. and rifles and stuff like that. The only difference between those two really is like the caliber of bullet and how much damage that could do because they're still pull the trigger. Bullet will fire. You pull the trigger, fire. So it'll just boom, 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 rather than like go, 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 Right, go. right. yeah. Okay, I'm with you. You can get some fully automatic um, handguns, like pistols. Like I think it's like a Glock 18C something. You pull the trigger, it goes, and it just like empty the clip. That's fully automatic in like in like a handgun. That's scary. Yeah, because you can unload. You can unload like 50 mags, 50 bullets in like a I'll take my thing leg if you want that. Yeah.
0: Well, you know I'm useless, but anyway. So this is April the, where are we now? Uh, April the 16th, yeah? So we're in the early hours of April the 16th. 3am, Stephen Marshall shoots a Joseph Grey at his home in Milo in Maine. This is two and a half hours south of his father's place. 8.15am, Stephen Marshall shoots William Elliot at his home in Corinth, Maine. So this is five hours after the first shooting. But this place, this Corinth, is only 25 miles away from Milo, where he killed the first bloke. So what the hell's he been doing for the last five hours?
1: Probably build himself up to killing someone, I imagine. It's probably quite a big step.
0: uh, Nobody knows where he was, what he was doing. So this last chap, 8.15 in the morning, his girlfriend is... The
1: guy uh, he just killed. His
0: girlfriend, yeah, the guy he's just killed. She witnessed it all. She writes down the license plate of the pickup truck and she calls police. She's she's on the ball.
1: Do you think do you think he, Stephen knew that the, the girlfriend had seen it?
0: They what well, how how I read it was she she saw it from inside the house. So okay, he wouldn't. Because, have seen
1: because I'm I'm wondering at that point if he's killed this guy who I assume is on the sex offenders list and the girlfriend's there, would you then kill her to stop the like witness or Oh, you're in a relationship with one of the sex offenders doesn 't matter you 're just as bad kind of thing i'm trying, I'm trying to I'm, i don't know why i 'm trying to fucking armchair
0: no your, your him. brain's going where i went i don 't know why he didn 't but i 'm guessing he didn 't actually realize either she was there or he didn 't care by that point so she called, said she calls the police she gives them the number plate, and obviously they know who Elliot is, but they immediately get the main the you know the state of maine's sex offenders registry taken offline but it's a bit late by now because he's downloaded all this information so stephen decides to ditch his dad's pickup truck near a bus station in a place called Bangor, maine and he drops the ammunition that he still had in the toilet tank of the um toilets yeah and then he then buys a ticket and he gets on board a basically a greyhound bus to go to boston So the police rush there to this station. I'm assuming they must have seen CCTV, ANPR, whatever. They knew where he'd gone. And they find this ammunition hidden in these toilets in the the tank. And they confirm that he's bought this bus ticket to go to Boston. So that afternoon, Stephen's mother, Margaret, and the stepdad, watching TV and they find out about these shootings. And this is where you actually... It's actually the first time you hear about the stepdad, and but I think the, the relationship actually comes in an awful lot earlier. So that was 8.15, the, the second shooting. The Massachusetts Bay Transport Authority police stopped the coach in Boston before it actually got to the station, and they surrounded it. And they go on board, and he's, I think it was 12 seats up, sat there. And... They challenge him and he just whips out the one gun he had and shots, shoots himself in the head. They find another gun on his body. So that was at 8 o'clock at night. So this is almost exactly 12 hours after the first shooting. So 11.24, Stephen Marshall's pronounced dead at the Boston Medical Centre as the result of a massive head wound. So as I said, gotten got this GPS thing and he downloaded this all this data on these sex offenders and the police were able to get into his computer, his laptop, and according to that GPS data on there, he'd either driven by or actually visited four other registered sex offenders before he found Joseph Gray and killed him. The first one, the one at 3 a.m. If they hadn't any, he was he was actually shot. He'd opened the door apparently and gone outside onto the driveway. And if they hadn't answered the door or the, the, the other guys that he'd gone on, the, the first four, maybe they didn't answer the door, maybe they'd moved and stuff hadn't been updated or something, and probably should have been, but...
1: Or well, they weren't there or this and that. Yeah. There's, there's those reasons as to why. Yes. Why did he settle on the first person? Why did he settle on Joseph Gray? But he,
0: yeah, but he'd gone for four. So the, these first four guys were really, really lucky that they weren't the first two, you know, victims.
1: And, and this was in Maine? Yes. So he'd almost done the thing of being the the most prolific serial killer in Maine. We found out the other week it was only four, which I thought was really low. Yeah, so he could have easily done a lot more based on the yes. stuff, but yeah. they were very quick to get hold of him at this point.
0: Yeah, they they really were fast off the ball with stuff. So who were the victims? Joseph Gray. He was born the fourth of May, nineteen forty-eight. He had been married for over ten years, and according to his wife, had always been honest with her about the reasons behind his nineteen ninety-two conviction. I know partners will always say things like that, but he seemed he'd been well behaved for the last fourteen years. He got nothing else. So it could have been just one of those things that he shouldn't have done and got into and it may What was not... it? Do you know? No, we don't know. We don't know. But 14 years later and he's he's executed. That's what happens to him. 14 years. He'd been clean for 14 years. Did his time, did whatever. He, he said, he said you know, I said he, he, he'd opened the front door and he'd gone out down the path and apparently his wife saw him being shot. And she goes out there and she's holding him as he died. So at least he didn't die alone, bless him. She didn't deserve to see it and she didn't deserve to go through that. Regardless, she'd done nothing wrong. So the next victim. 10th of July, 1981, William Elliot is born. His criminal com- conviction comes about on the 12th of June, 2002, when he's 20. And he's convicted of sexual abuse of a minor and gets four months in a county jail. Now, I had originally thought he was 19, which he was when the offence took place, and the girl was 16. And I know certain state ages consent and all that, but digging deeper, she was only 14, so I do have an issue with that age disparity. And she was a child, even though his mother actually seemed to think he wanted to start a family and settle down and all that jazz with this girl. He's 19, she's 14, there's a five, you know. You're.
1: I know we're talking about the difference between kids and adults and different people can be the same age and mm. one being that one still be a kid. That's 14. I'm sorry, you can't rationalize that. If no. if, if you're 14 as well, yeah, because you're both in like the same headspace. Yeah. But when you're 19, you're you're so much more mature, your brain's so much more developed, you've had so much more life experience. That's 5 years at that point. That's more than a third of her life. No, man, that's that's predatory. Get in the bin. Yeah.
0: No. No, I, I agree with you.
1: Because so- I have mentioned before there are certain things like Romeo and Juliet laws which are if you're um, if you knew someone, and if you knew if you knew someone prior to you going over the age of consent and them still being under it, you can still get in a relationship but they're fourteen mate they're no one here
0: no so again this uh, his mother's obviously projecting her and I get this, but this was four years on from his conviction, and he got four months. So again, as you said, maybe the court actually thought the, the the Romeo and Juliet, but they had to follow the legal path. that he's I, actually guilty? I think
1: though, there must be because of such a large age gap that I think at that point it's not reasonable. No, I know. I know that there does need to be a sort of a hard line somewhere. Yeah, for, for the for that. Otherwise, it can is open to interpretation like this.
0: Well, he gets four. As I said, he got four months in county jail, and my understanding is county county lockup is no fun. It's absolutely no party at all, and four months would have been really traumatic for him. He comes out and he's, he, he, he doesn't reoffend. He just gets on with living his life. And this was four years on. This, this, that's about as much as we know about the victims. So
1: I tried to record this bit about six times, but for some reason you can't talk. There's not that much more about the victims, but there's a few more questions that we have about the killer. So we'll discuss it when we come back from the case autopsy. We'll be back in a sec. And we're back. Why couldn't you talk?
0: I, I, I needed coffee.
1: They can't... They're not going to hear that the eight times we tried to record that, but you just couldn't say the fucking thing. <laughs> so we're going to a case autopsy. Bye. We'll be back in a sec. I did it. Uh, so we've got, we've got some questions and stuff lined up. This is a bit where we just like kind of speculate on what we think the case is or some, maybe some weird stuff, some slightly background stuff. I don't know, whatever. People, uh,
0: yeah, I've, yeah, I've pulled up some interesting research as well. So one interesting snippet for UK-based listeners. The wonderful world of social media has, as per usual gotten people in a tizzy by saying that there were more than 850,000... 850, registered sex offenders in the UK. We,
1: we have, what, 60 million people? One in 70 is what they're trying to say is a sex offender.
0: Yeah. There's
1: a lot of people, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but again, it's social media. We, we know. So, is it not generally, not, not, you know, people that uh, have done something, but actually registered. That came... About because of an estimate that was released by the National Crime Agency, which said that there could be 550 to 850 people who could pose a risk to children. 850
1: to 850,000?
0: Sorry, 550 to 850,000 people who could pose a risk to children.
1: Not that they are. Yes. But anyone could be a, a danger to a child. But by not necessarily in that definition, like only, anyone can do it. That's not what I mean. But anyone could be considered a danger to a child for anything. Yeah. There's that's, that's a lot of problem with men that pick up their child. Some schools are like, no, you're a pedo. So, that's my kid. What yeah. do you mean?
0: Yeah. And- but, yeah, I mean, that, that annoyed me from that perspective. But it, was, it came from the National Crime Agency. So they should have known better than to put something out like that. And it and was
1: tabloids and press, they ran with it as if that was fact. And
0: then it, it literally, apparently, it did it on the, the face thingy and it did the rounds and it got people in a right old stator. But this was, this was about children. There was no mention of adults being assaulted. So knowing how thick some people could be, it literally be, end up being every single male is a danger. That got the powers that be, got their undies in a bunch. And in May 2021, figures from the MOJ, Ministry of Justice, was obtained by a newspaper. And it was, we've got something called the Freedom of Information Act and you can request something. I think the Americans, it's called FOIA, it's very, very similar. And that actually stated, so these figures came from the Ministry of Justice. There were 95,844 people on the Sex Offenders Registry in England and Wales. And figures reported in a Scottish newspaper, so they must have got them from the Scottish equivalent of... Because it's a separate legal system. They must have got it from the, the Scottish equivalent of the, the MOJ, that there were 4,358 registered sex offenders living in Scotland up until the end of March 2021. There there are other figures bandied about on the estimated victims' numbers, and it was all so woolly that it's not properly collated. I'm just not even going to get into those. It's estimated victims. I mean, where do you draw the line? Is it somebody talking to somebody on social media or is it actual, you know, hospital reports, doctors' reports, you know, police reports? It, it was stupid. So I got, got me thinking about um, registries. Who else has them? Who else doesn't have them? Apparently, the European Union, which we no longer are a member of, they don't have a registry. But Spain had actually proposed one in 2003 they had a big hoo-ha over there and they thought it may have saved some victims where people were coming from other states within the European Union and um, assaulting people in Spain. So they thought if they'd have had this registry, they would have known that these people were coming from whatever other country into Spain and they could have possibly have kept an eye on them.
1: That, to me, sounds like common sense and I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't have that.
0: Yeah. Well, as I said, that w- that was proposed by Spain in 2003.
1: And imagine they got got... Uh- it, nothing it, no nothing well I don't think
0: it, oh God the European Union a, a glacier moves faster than the European Union usually and I can't find that this has gone anywhere yet. It may be in you know one of these bits of things that they will eventually do but it's it's not live. these are the countries that actually have sex offender registries registries Australia, Canada, India, Republic of Ireland, New Zealand south africa trinidad and tobago us the uk and the usa so I, that was a light bulb moment when i thought about that after a while was all of those countries i believe their legal systems are based off the uk's
1: well not the us necessarily stuff well, like that like i know theirs is all different i know you've got the separation from britain and stuff like that there was a there's a whole war over it right but i don't think i, I don't think that's <laughs> the same as that but it's stuff like you're so saying like the australia certain parts of canada india they've we've had fucking anytime there's a bit of landmass, mass goes ours, they are going to colonize it and then somehow <laughs> and then somehow they <laughs> fucked it up and then they lost it all again and now we're just a tiny little island
0: so as, as i said before you can't rock up in the uk to a local police station local nick and say him at number 15 gives me the creeps and looks at the kids funny and expect them to say yes he served time that's that's not going to happen People do try it, and people have been killed in the UK for being a bit different and because people generally are stupid. One particular case that's it became really, really big. There was a disabled refu- Iranian refugee in the UK, and he repeatedly reported death threats and racial abuse to the police for seven years before he was actually murdered by these people. His name was Bijan Ebrani, and he was beaten to death and then set alight in Bristol. They claiming on social media and out in the community that this guy was a paedophile. It caused a huge hoo-ha. The, the Independent Police Complaints Commission got involved. There was a big investigation. Um, they admitted that the police force, they were racially biased, either consciously or unconsciously. The, the chief of police said, we failed him. Three days before this chap's death, the police actually arrested him following complaints that he'd been taking pictures of children near his home. However, nothing suspicious was found and he was released without charge. They've gone in making false allegations because they just didn't like this guy. And this is the problem you've got.
1: It's not the same as the Stephen Marshall case because that, that is literally vigilante justice. Yeah. There's, there's a reason why people have the day in court and someone isn't the judge, jury and executioner and people can be found guilty in the court of public opinion but that's why they have to have their actual day, day. in court. Yeah. By suddenly deciding that this guy is a pedophile and then they're going to kill him anyway so that isn't vigilante justice because they've got no evidence of it. If he's on the sex offenders list it's a bit different. It's still not good. You shouldn't do it, right? Because you're not the judge, jury and executioner. Yep. Fortunately, you're just the executioner. People that have been sent to prison and gone through their stuff like that and then come out, they're convicted. They've not had the punishment in the sense that, okay, they shouldn't have anything bad happen to them ever because they've already done the punishment for that one thing. You've done something, you've got to live with the consequences of it.
0: Can you imagine if these people have been, had the ability to go to the police and say, is he on the list? And Bearing in mind how bad this even, police even if, was... even if
1: they said no, the people that have done this clearly aren't thinking properly. They're probably from this small little town they see a guy that's slightly different than them, and they've had this mob mentality of he's different. Bristol's than us.
0: not small, no, <laughs> it's an no, estate. But you, can, you can have yeah. small estates, estate, small local
1: yeah. area sort of values, groups, etc. So they've just killed this guy and then set him on fire. At what point are you just not pure rebel at that point in the first place? Yeah, you're worse than what you're accusing him for.
0: Yeah, uh, it's actually worse by just how bad the police were. He reported between 2007 and 2013, so six year period, 73 calls to the police of racial abuse, criminal damage, and threats to kill. But they fail to record this as a crime on at least 40 occasions.
1: There's a term for it, and I've forgotten what it's called. It's going to bug me. Hopefully someone someone knows what I'm talking about. If you have, if you say to someone online, oh, I'm going to kill you, and it's like, you mate, it, it passes a test where you think that's not a credible threat. Or if you say to someone that lives in like the Netherlands, you say, oh, I'm going to kick your head in because you're annoyed at them online or whatever. It's not a credible threat. It can't happen. However, if if a man says to a woman, I'm going to kill you, and they were an abusive partner of theirs, it doesn't pass the test because that can happen. It's an actual credible threat. It's got a term. Yeah. And by, by him reporting all this stuff, all these crimes and things like that, they're threatening they're going to kill me. They're doing this, they're harassing for, for like seven years. That's a credible threat at that point. How is he not in his right to defend himself? I actually mean himself, like, as in to so like,
0: I don't think he was physically able to. He, I mean, they, they, they described him as disabled. I remember, remember seeing this. I remember reading the reports at the time. I think, as well it's possible, he may have also had a learning disability. But in, he, so he was they're, vulnerable. They've just,
1: just picked on this guy who's, who's a it refugee. It was the next like...
0: door neighbour that killed him. The yeah. next door neighbour. That's how bad this was. Two police officers were actually dismissed. They lost their jobs. Two more, what we call police community support officer and a police officer, were actually jailed. They were convicted of misconduct because they lied about this. One of them got 10 months and the other one got four months and they were sacked as well. So four officers, you know, lost their jobs. But the big heads didn't roll. The ones that were really in charge, their heads haven't rolled. And I don't know if the family have actually taken legal action against the police or are looking into it. It, You know, it could be an ongoing thing, but I blimmin' well hope so. This case that we've just given you today, this Stephen A. Marshall killing these two men in Maine, isn't the only one linked to these online registries having this effect that we have talked about the fear of. There's a sex offenders registry website in Washington State And that was actually blamed for the death of two convicted child rapists last summer. Michael Anthony Mullen. This guy said he was 35. He said he deliberately targeted the pair. He actually posed as an FBI agent to get into their houses. And he found them on this Whatcom County Washington sex offenders list. Again, it's not as simple as that first read. You know, this list has caused this guy to target these two these guys were very, very high level and deemed very, very likely to re-offend. They hadn't yet but they were out. And what seems to have triggered the guy who did murder them is another high-profile case going on at the same time. Um, he told him "With no, no there was a, a case of a guy called Joseph Edward Duncan who's actually accused of killing and child abductions in Idaho. And the guy that killed the, the first two sex offenders, he said that he was inspired... Well, not inspired. This guy made him think. Right, I'm going to go and kill some sex offenders. He was. He was.
1: They're seeing it as an act of community service, aren't they?
0: Yeah, it was. It was odd. And when you when you start talking about sex offenders and degrees and all the rest of it, I remembered, and I spent far too long trying to find this, watching a documentary by Louis. Ther- Th- I can't say Louis it. Louis Theroux. Yeah, I can't say it.
1: It reads like Thoreau, but it's not Louis Thoreau.
0: Yeah. He's a documentary maker in the UK. He's, he's, it, they're interesting sometimes what he does, but sometimes they make you go, no, they make you cringe. Um, and I remember watching probably about 10 or 15 minutes of this. He visited a town, I think, that was, it was basically a sex offender's town. They couldn't live anywhere else. A society had basically ostracized them and they couldn't work. I wondered if that, I, I tried looking at it online and that there was a, an episode he did, he called Among the Sex Offenders, which was in LA, and I think it was the third one in a series of three he did. And apparently LA, LA has the strictest laws around regarding sex offenders. And it's...
1: In, in what sense? Do you mean protecting them yeah. and their information from the public or protecting, protecting people? And public. Like, as in, like, villainizing the offenders more?
0: Yeah, the, 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 the offenders would... Most of them, I think, at the time said whilst they're grateful to be out as in breathing normal air, um, they would be better off inside prison because they've got no life whatsoever. They can't work. They can't claim this. They, they just it's a mess.
1: There's a uh, have you heard a series called uh, Black Mirror. Yes. They're very like high concept sci-fi stuff based on the future and technology stuff that's near future or near possible certain things. There's this one concept like getting too much into it of there's devices that are installed into you from like a young age i believe and you can essentially block people when you look at them so they disappear as like a grey fuzzy thing you can't hear them you can't see them you can just like you can see that they're there but you can't see any features they're just like 2d almost if you get reported as a and convicted as a sex offender everyone else sees you as blurry and sees you as red so they know to stay well away and then everyone else to you is blurred out as well so you're essentially by yourself you can't hear talk see or speak to anyone because they can't communicate with you you could only ever do it with other people, and it's kind of like other that...
0: people that are the same as you. Yeah, so, so you're uh, muted.
1: Yeah, essentially, I think that actually is, is what the term they use is when oh. you become muted, and at that point, that, that is you just you've only got a world in your own. Other people like that. It's kind of cra- it's a really crazy concept because you're you're, talk, you're talking about the talent they've got themselves because they would have f- preferred to be in prison. And at that point, if you were him, would you not prefer to be in prison? Because you can't interact with anything, you can't buy anything, you can't see anything. You're it's it's like the term. Do you know what the term outlaw actually means? So in old outside like, of talk. law. So it means that you're protected by the same laws that I am. If you're an yeah. outlaw, you are yourself no longer protected by those. Yeah. So I could hunt you down. I could kill you, Torture yeah. you. I could steal anything from you, blah, blah, blah. So it's, yeah. at what point would you want not want to be in prison more? Or because I then mean, you, it's probably a better life.
0: Uh, certainly in the UK, we have um, specialist areas where um, people that have convicted of these types of crimes are kept segregated for their own protection. Because if you're in general population, you run the risk of somebody either being related to somebody that you've done something to or like these guys just taking against you because you've got that conviction and taking you out. But by the sounds of it, you sound just as much bloody risk on the outside as you do inside. So what do you do? I don't know. I don't know what caused Steve, Steve, Stephen Marshall to do this. I wondered, there's a couple of things I thought about. Again, give me your opinion on Cameron. I wondered again. We talked about this before about his schoolmate and the dad both being offenders. Was there some weird, twisted history that we don't know anything about from there?
1: That probably would have been revealed, considering his, his liking for his really weird, conservative, aggressive, right-wing views and uh, liking the guns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think you probably would have killed him at that point already. If something bad had happened to him, he's got a history of it. He's seen as his friend. I don't know. It's weird.
0: Again. Religion. Not trying to bash anybody here, but his mum taking him to church and him finding God in a town that probably had more churches than bars. I wondered if that had formed his thinking where he got this from. I did the digging I found. I found the only actual quotes out there from a school friend, and this is when he was living with his dad, remember, because he, he got pulled out of school by his mum. So he and his friends... Apparently, they used to talk about sexual abusers when the subject came up in the news, which I thought was a little strange. I don't know, don't remember as a teenager, me watching the news. I don't
1: think I'd talk about sex offenders with my boys. No. At that age, that's a bit weird.
0: So, Well, I'm actually going to quote you. I'm going to quote this chap here. I won't give you, I won't give you his name because I can't pronounce it. He said, we just said that people who were guilty of it, sex offenders, were worthless. We all agreed it was heinous. We thought sexual predators were worse than killers. And that's a quote from this lad in Idaho. He did a telephone interview. And I, I sat there and read that and I thought, heinous. Someone's been watching too much bloody law and order. Nobody uses that term in real life unless they're in the legal field.
1: Yeah, in a common conversation, uh, use the word heinous. Uh, no. Yeah. Or is anyone ever has a nemesis. Who has a nemesis? Yes. Yeah, no, normal people don't have a nemesis or use the word heinous.
0: No. So I thought that was a pile of bunkum. But anyway. There's no suggestion anywhere that I've ever read that he was ever abused himself, Stephen. Friends and family seem to think that he would have said something if he had have been. But we also know, I think as human beings, that's also not always true. And especially if he felt it was his fault, which some sex abusers can make the victims feel. It could be a running
1: theme, especially with athletes that have been abused or people that are uh, big themselves. So I think when um it's Terry Crews when he came forward and said that he was assaulted, it's kind of like some people are oh no you weren't everyone wants to be touched or you're a big man men can't be abused, so that what
0: I didn't know that
1: um he got like molested by a um as uh, a director or something at a party grabbed his junk basically oh. and then everyone was like oh no you didn't everyone loves to be in touch like that you're a man of course you do and it's no, it's, no. Not. it's it's an unwanted advance right so I know there's a theme running where like really big people don't admit it because then they're seen as a victim and that's why. Men can struggle to come forward with stuff, like especially if, if they're victims for things. But
0: yeah, I yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. It was an, it was a thought that occurred to me. But the, he's got this strange childhood, but it's not severely abusive. It's not it's dysfunctional, probably.
1: It sounds like he's been sort of uh, radicalized or something. Just suddenly turned him on to do the killing portion of this to avenge people. Almost, it's yeah. quite weird. He's taken he's taken it into his own hands. But, but where this has
0: come from? What's what's caused this and there doesn't seem to be anything out there um that, 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 that had that led into this even they did the reporters they actually did try and speak to a couple of teachers that had him and he's, the teachers barely had anything to say about him. they struggled to say anything negative, let alone the positive part, even his psychiatrist didn't seem to know who he was as a person he didn't go to college or get an apprenticeship or anything, and he was working as a dishwasher he was. I don't know, it's, it's like he hadn't got himself started. He's, he's got this weird background where they've moved constantly. His parents move constantly. He moves around constantly. He's like he's got no fixed roots anywhere. He doesn't have any fixed routes as he's starting his way out into the adult world. And what, what set him off?
1: I, d- I just want to know what his plan was once he had killed those two people. He'd seen four people prior to that. He suddenly gets a, like a bus to Boston, doesn't he? What was he going to do in Boston?
0: No, we don't know.
1: Because he took this money out. He's, he's taken his dad's guns, his dad's car, and then he's going to kill these people. What What was his plan beyond this? Right. Obviously, this is pure speculation. We don't know anything.
0: No, we don't know anything. But if you think about it, Boston is very, very probably a spoke hub for transport where you could hop on a Greyhound bus and disappear anywhere else in the States. We've we've all seen it in films where they've done it. So he pro- he, he was 20 years old. Maybe he thought that's what he could do. He just disappear he had five hundred dollars that he'd taken from his bank account didn't he and he had the you know seventeen hundred dollars worth of of a laptop maybe that's what he thought he was going to do i get why people hide their histories these these sex offenders maybe so they can move on maybe their crime was incredibly minor and we, we we've all heard of people who've been convicted of the absolute silliest acts i'm not talking stuff that we would all you know our toes would curl up at But I also get why people do need the list because they're absolutely monsters that walk the streets. and It's just a hell of a balancing act and I've got no answer for it. Absolutely no answer. So finally, the victims, as these guys were victims. Joseph Gray, aged 57. William Elliott, aged 24. Thank you for listening.
1: Peace.